This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we are going to talk about day one of mandatory minicamp. Of course, this goes on for three straight days. And the first day had a notable appearance by somebody that we haven't seen with the rest of the team in full practice yet. This was the first time. Some gentleman named Le'Veon Bell. Normally, my guest would have been the biggest deal at practice. I think he probably still was, but by a much smaller margin than usual because of the presence of Le'Veon Bell. That, of course, is the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And, of course, above all of that, a very big deal, a slightly bigger deal than Le'Veon Bell, Mr. Chris Nimbley. What's going on, Chris? Slightly is the key word there. I felt a little bit of the pressure there. There was a little bit, a bit of pressure because there's another very big deal in there. It's just he's, he's just not quite there yet. Normally, you are easily the biggest deal anywhere, but Le'Veon Bell was right on your heels today. Let's talk about what he actually did in his first practice with the team. Seems like there were a couple of times where he got open and really showed some people some ability out of the backfield. A couple of nice runs, too, although, of course, Manish had to be a wise guy and point out the fact that Bell's very first run was a five-yard loss, and we'll get to that, too. But tell me all about this, because there was one play, and apparently he was wide open, Donald threw a touchdown pass to Crowder instead. How did Le'Veon Bell look overall to you? Incredibly limited what we saw today. He only was at first in team portions. He was just taking every other snap. And then when they went to hurry up stuff, he wasn't really, uh, he wasn't taking any snaps because he's not familiar enough with the playbook to do all this stuff. And they were still doing installs and new stuff. So they weren't trying to throw him in too much. But you could see, you know, it's again, this time of year, they're not really going full speed. Nobody's going after the running back. So, and I'm going to be repeating this all season again during training camp. You'll hear it because running backs never get tackled. They get like the guy defender runs up to him, puts two hands on him, and then they keep running. So you'll see these big holes that they dart through, but it doesn't really mean much because they're not really going after him. But you could see. The, the size of Le'Veon Bell, how tall he is, the way he runs. You can see the speed and the grace with which he runs. You can see how lining him up wide would attract attention, how he can get the ball, uh, get open downfield, and how that could be a benefit to Darnold. Even in the very limited snaps we have to work with of what we saw, you could see little bits and glimpses of what he can add to this offense. And again, there was nothing spectacular in what we saw, and it's impossible for anything to have been spectacular. But you saw little little doses of what he can do and what he can bring, and it'll be exciting to see him coming on more and more as he learns the in and out of the playbook. And once training camp fully comes around and we can actually see guys attacking him and him being shifty and getting out of their way and, and all the things that we know Le'Veon Bell for. Bigger crowd than normal today in terms of media presence, right? Oh, yeah. First day, I was driving in there. I was wondering. I was like, how are we going to get? And the parking lot was completely full. There was a lot of media there. It was a little extra crowded, a little extra cramped on the sidelines and in the media room. Everybody wanted to come out and see Logan Lowe, which is, again, he's a pretty big deal. Definitely a big deal, just like the number three overall pick in the NFL draft, Quentin Williams, the defensive lineman out of Alabama. He got in some action today, too, a little bit limited because of a calf injury, but he did get a sack. 
Yeah, he got a sack. He was mostly with the third team during um, team drill stuff, but they were just easing him in. He was still taking it easy with them, and it's not that he's really hurt, but they just want to make sure that he's not going to have any type of setbacks, and they want him to sit there and really feel comfortable with the playbook and know everything out there before they send him out there 100% or have him going at 100%. So they're going to take their times with him, but it was good to see him out on the field, good to see him move around a little bit and to put that size and power as you see, even though, again, no real contact there, so you're not going to see that power as much. What's the story with his contract? Should we start to get a little bit concerned? Usually contract is slotted, so it would have been signed by now, right? Yeah, but you got to remember. Remember what happened with Darnold last year? Mm-hmm. So there could be offset language. They could be sitting there trying to you know, worry about if, uh, if he gets in trouble for anything off the field or any type of sample, a dirty sample on a drug test or something comes up then they can, uh, sometimes in the contracts, they can be uh, revoke the contract. So there could just be a lot of debate over a little stuff like that, and that's most likely what it is. The signing bonus is also usually a thing that's holding this up. Some players want a bigger signing bonus up front. Some players want, uh, you know, smaller and have it extend through. So there's a lot of different little things like that. It's super early in this process. I wouldn't worry about that at all. Uh, I haven't looked into it at all. It's not something that I would even think is worth looking into. I would think by the t- if we start approaching a week or two before training camp, you can start to get a little worried. But again, Darnold missed the first couple of days of training camp last year, and you know he didn't have the perfect season, but he came in and he won that job. And it- it'll be a whole lot easier for Quinton Williams to come back from this in a couple of days than it is for a quarterback to come and do that. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Since you mentioned Darnold, Chris, let's talk about him. Sounds like he wasn't exactly up to the level that people were expecting based on what he did at OTAs. Everybody was really raving about him there, but today, not quite so much. Sounds like he was trying some new things from Gase's offense, and that might have contributed to it. Yeah, they said afterwards, you know, we've seen these last couple weeks, we had a practice on Wednesday and a practice on Thursday. The teams have been practicing Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. 
this whole time. And Tuesday has been their install day where they're installing new plays to the playbook. And so you're kind of still working things out. Everybody's learned the plays, but this is the first time they've run them. So today we got to see install day and it wasn't nearly as clean and crisp as it has been. He would miss a lot of throws through a few interceptions. Every single thing he missed was overthrown today, which is interesting. But you can definitely tell now we didn't talk to Gase about this. He spoke before practice. We didn't talk, mention it or we didn't ask him about it. And then Donald told us afterwards that, yeah, that today was an install day. So it, it was one of those things that we were all like, oh, wow, he's real off today. And then he said that. We're like, ah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. He could, you know, just be thinking or maybe uh, that's another thing. Maybe a lot of the plays that he was off, he wasn't off. The receiver was off. We don't get the full view, the eagle eye, uh, bird's eye view of it. We don't get to review the tape or anything like that. So maybe if we did, we could see that there's a couple of spots where the receiver was off and he wasn't. So lots of little things is obviously nothing to worry about. We'll see how he comes out tomorrow and Thursday. And if he can shake this off and finish out the week strong. Rough day for Darnold, but a pretty good day for his former USC teammate, Deontay Burnett, who is in a battle for that number four wide receiver spot. He had two touchdowns today. It was with the second team, but that's still encouraging. Yeah, it's definitely good to see. Uh, it's definitely encouraging. If you can just build on the little bit of momentum he picked up at the end there. And, you know, the Jets, if, assuming those top three guys are healthy, they're going to be set there. Nobody's going to be cracking those one of those three guys if they remain healthy, but they need depth there. They need a fourth and fifth receiver. And if he can step up and be that guy who can continue to form the strong bond with Darnold, even though the, what you were saying, it wasn't with Darnold that he had those plays today. And he's not going up against the stiffest competition with the cornerbacks, but you better see him win and dominate in those situations if he's going to be able to, to be a number four guy that they can really count on. But he had a, an impressive day today. It was good to see, and definitely something worth keeping an eye on as we go forward. How did the other wide receivers look? Did Robbie Anderson, Quincy Inunua, and Jamison Crowder look comfortable in the Gase offense? Yeah, I mean, I've, I said since that first practice, Jamison Crowder looks like he was made for this Gase offense. Uh, Quincy definitely does, too, and, and Robbie, all three of them do. <clears throat> Quincy... Quincy probably would have had a really huge day if Darnold didn't overthrow him a couple of different times. He was open a lot. Uh, Darnold just missed him a couple of different times. Robbie, too, not quite as much as Quincy. But if Darnold had completed all his passes to Quincy, everybody would be talking and raving about what a huge day Quincy had and how great he looked today. But, you know, that's that's something that happens with receivers. We talk about it with quarterbacks. You know, if, if they don't have the weapons, how much does that hold them back? Or if the receiver can run the best route in the world, if that quarterback can't get it to them, then it's not going to mean anything. And that's what it was like for Quincy and Underwood today. Hey, guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
Chris, let's talk about Jamal Adams. Last year during training camp and in OTAs, I used to save this to the end, but I just thought this was too much fun considering that he had an interception that he, as you told me off the air, walked backwards with for a 100-yard touchdown because obviously nobody is going to hit him in training camp. I used to say to Daryl, give me an update on anything entertaining that Jamal Adams did and give me a noise level update. So tell me about Mr. Adams in this practice. Talk me through this interception and then tell me about his behavior overall during practice because it sounds like the defense really got the better of the offense today and I'm sure that Jamal was very much enjoying it. Yeah, you know, it was it was actually a relatively quiet day for Jamal, but about Jamal's mouth, I should say. Um, <laughs> he wasn't quite as loud as normal, which is a little disappointing uh, because I really enjoy it. We all really enjoy it. Uh, yeah, he had that one interception. He made a really nice play on it. Read read the play, uh, went up, grabbed the interception, and started running back, running it back. And not a single person made any movement to try to stop him. And then he's just slowly jogging the rest of the way. And he he didn't really gloat or celebrate that touchdown too much either. Uh, there was, you know, definitely, of course, some Jamal stuff going back and forth. A uh, little bit of uh, trash talk. I think my favorite thing of the day, though, uh, is it's a little Jamal Adams adjacent. We were talking to Kelvin Beecham afterwards, um, you know, who played in Pittsburgh with Le'Veon Bell, and we were asking him questions about Le'Veon Bell, and he just said, you know, it's good that we have, uh, the defense has their loud mouth, and now we have ours. <laughs> so, and it was, and it was actually funny to think about, because most of the trash talking uh, back and forth Jamal has gone on with is really just Quincy. Quincy's the only one who really is constantly talking back to him, and Quincy's not really a huge trash talker. He's not that outspoken type of guy, but there's nobody else on that offense who's going to do it. Sam's not really going to do it. Robbie's not going to do it. He's too quiet. Herndon's not going to do it. Crowder's not going to do it. That's not his personality. So Quincy's had to kind of step up and be that guy to fire shots and trade um, trash talking jabs back and forth with Jamal. And like Kelvin said, now we got our loud mouth. So now we can see uh, once Le'Veon gets fully integrated into this offense, they go back and forth. I'm really looking forward to watching Jamal and Le'Veon Bell trash talk go back and forth with each other. Uh, Jamal is, is looking forward to that as well. When Alvin Harper and Michael Irvin were wide receivers together, Deion Sanders recovered Michael Irvin, and that was a real battle. But then when Alvin Harper went to the Tampa Bay Bucks, then he started to get covered by the number one receivers, and he was completely overmatched. I think that's the case here with Quincy Inunua. He's a good number two trash talker, but if you make him the number one trash talker on your unit, he's going to be outmatched by Adams. So I'm glad that the Jets were able to bring in the Michael Irvin to his Alvin Harper in terms of trash talking. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a good cop, good way to put it. It's funny. He's, a, he's Quincy's actually a better trash talker than uh, I would have expected. He's a, he's pretty good at it, but it's still not really his personality because. And it's also as as much as what everything Jamal is doing is good natured and in a fun spirit. Quincy's even more of that. Uh, so it's still not really his uh, personality to be out there doing that. He just kind of stepped up to the plate because he knew he, ha he had to do it. Nobody else was there to do it. They had to go back and forth. And now now they got somebody else who can do it. And uh, Jamal and Le'Veon were talking about this 
during Jamal's recruitment of Le'Veon. They're, they're both looking forward to this. this gonna, they're going to have a lot of fun playing off each other. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Did anybody else stand out? I know Rontez Miles had an interception, but did you see anybody else that you came away from practicing? Ooh, that guy really was pretty good today. Yeah, I mean, Rontez, uh, Rontez, he had that big interception. Uh, he also made a couple other plays. That's about it, though. There wasn't too much out there today. Uh, again, the biggest thing was that Darnold was clearly off. You know, the the and I spent most of the day watching Le'Veon Bell, even when he wasn't in there. Uh, one of the good things to see, as he doesn't have a firm grasp on the playbook yet, but he was every play that whether he was in the play or not, he was in the huddle. And then if he wasn't in the play, he would literally stand like two feet behind the quarterback and just watch everything develop. And he's, he told us afterwards, he said, you know, I want to know the entire playbook. I want to hear the play. And then I look and I want to know what every single person's job is. Every player, the X receiver, the Y, the Z receiver, all of it. He wants all of to know all of that, to have that all down in his head, what everyone's role is. And that's especially going to be especially important in situations where, you know, he's in there for pass protection and he needs to slip out into an open space. He knows where everyone's supposed to be. He's going to know where that open space is. And he's talked about it. We talk about this all the time with players learning a playbook. It's not what a lot of people think where the, the plays aren't what trip these players up with learning the playbook. They all already know these plays. It's the terminology. Every coach uses a slightly different terminology. So it's almost like learning a new language every time you switch a new system. So that's the type of stuff he has to do and, and learn. And you can do so much of that on your own, but it's another thing to put it in motion and have it all like actually in action in front of you. But it was good to see how attentive he was and how he would really just make sure he paid attention to every single detail and it was obvious to us from the sideline let's talk injuries chris we know that quinn and williams is kind of limited because of the calf injury i know marcus may was also limited anybody else limited or mispractice yeah compton didn't practice neil sterling didn't practice marcus may was limited uh he got into some stuff really just the seven on sevens they didn't bring him in on the 11 11s just the seven on seven stuff quinn williams was limited he got some work here and there but for the most part, it's the same thing with both those guys. And Gates continues to say, we're going to get this from Marcus May up until training camp. And uh, with Compton and Sterling, it seems like they'll they'll be out probably this week. But we'll see from there. And then, yeah, I'll just throw this in there, not injury-related, but Le'Veon Bell's not the only one who hasn't been here who is Trumaine Johnson was there today as well. So we did see a Trumaine Johnson sighting. But right now, there's they're pretty they're pretty set with the injury front. There's not too high of an injury list right now. Since you brought up Adam Gase, he spoke before practice, and then the players spoke 
after practice. Tell me a little bit about what Gase said. Tell me what some of the players said. I know Jamal Adams had some interesting things to say about Greg Williams in particular. Yeah, Gase talked. He talked a little bit uh, right out the front. He he gave us a little mini update on the GM search, which we'll get to a little bit later. Uh, he talked about ha- having Le'Veon Bell and uh, what what that can do, what his expectations are him for or for him once he's on the field, how they can use him. Uh, somebody asked him if they think that he can match or outdo his production in Pittsburgh, and he was basically just like, why not? He's like, of course, that's what we're going to try to do. And Le'Veon's all for it, too. Le'Veon talked about afterwards how much he likes this offense and what he sees, and then as much as he he was quick to, and easily brushed off the reports against not wanting him, he basically said he has me now, and I have confidence that he's going to use me to the best of my abilities and get the best out of both me for both of us. So, other than that, it was it was pretty uh, not too much from Gase there uh, early in the day. Uh, Jamal once again raved, raving about Greg Williams, just his energy, his aggressiveness, and intensity. Uh, talking about like it's like recess out there. It, it, Greg Williams and Jamal Adams, personality wise, are a great mesh. They just they're perfect for each other, and you can just see how that fuels Jamal even more. Um, <clears throat> Quincy talked after practice. He it was funny. He was asked about Jace's uh, offense and uh, excited and uh, see fit. And he started out saying, you know, he thinks it's going to be an aggressive offense. And then he was like. Well, at least for now, and uh, <laughs> at least at least early in, in training camp, because I keep hearing everybody talk about Adam Gase with his aggressive offense. I I don't know where that aggressive offense has been in years past, because he's not somebody who's challenging downfield all the time, really pushing that. So it'll be interesting to see how this storyline plays out, and at what point. It's the offense stops getting described as uh, aggressive. It was interesting to hear uh, Quincy point that out as well. Um, yeah, uh, uh, talking to Beecham and Coleccio Semele, a lot of the questions they got were about Le'Veon Bell. I asked uh, Osemele specifically about, you know, what type of challenges does blocking for a Le'Veon Bell provide because uh, we've talked about this a lot. Le'Veon Bell is a unique runner. His, his patience is unparalleled. There's, I've never seen a running back as patient as he is anywhere close. And uh, he was like, yeah, I haven't ever blocked for anybody that he would consider patient like Le'Veon Bell. So this is going to be new for him. They have to work at all these different kinks. They're going to have to maybe at some points attack a little bit later, a little bit differently. And so there's going to be some getting used to, some feeling out for the offensive line and the running back there, some give and take there. There's going to be a lot of that. Uh, but it's something that you know people don't really think about too much, especially because with a strong running game, you typically just think the offensive line go out there and maul. But Le'Veon Bell will sit there and be more patient, let things develop. So he's talked about you know whether he's got to talk to Le'Veon and they got to work out stuff. Whether Le'Veon's going to do the whole tap you on the hip thing, tell you move along, all those different things. But that was really interesting to hear him and Kelvin talk about how it is a little bit different blocking from Le'Veon Bell. As great as he is, it is going to make their job 
at first, at first, a little bit more difficult because they're going to have to learn the ins and outs of it. But once he and Osemele said it, he's, once we get it down, it's going to be dangerous because we know how good and how dangerous and explosive Le'Veon Bell can be. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Chris, Sam Darnold didn't have a ton noteworthy to say after practice, but he did seem to want to bring back a concept that became pretty popular when the last guy that was from USC playing quarterback for the Jets was here, Mark Sanchez, the whole Jets West concept. Yeah, he was asked what he's going to be doing because uh, we might not get to talk to him next week during the two OTAs practice. So somebody asked what he would do during the break between um, OTAs and training camp if he'd be going back home. He said he would be going back home. Uh, a lot of relaxing, just getting ready for the season, hanging out with friends and family. But he said he does hope to get a bunch of guys together the skill position guys at least, you know, at least for a long weekend, if not a week or something like that. They're going to have to see, you know, talk about themselves and see if they can make the schedules match up. But it's something that he's definitely looking into, and I'm sure we'll hear more about it later. But he definitely wants to try to do something. You're going to have about six weeks off. It's going to be great for them all to get away from football for a little bit. But six weeks is a long time, especially when you're working on timing issues with these guys. So. But that's the main reason he'd like to get in a couple days here and there and be able to work on some timing stuff with these guys. Le'Veon Bell said that after the three-day mandatory minicamp, he is going to go back to Florida, which, of course, is well within his rights and really shouldn't be that surprising. But as Joe Thomas said the other day, the media's got to fill space, and they're going to try and spin this into a story, aren't they? Oh, yeah, of course. I thought Joe Thomas is... Thoughts on this were just absolutely perfect. Um, he had a couple different points. One of them was the media. You can take my approach, which is to sit there and say this isn't a big deal, and you can get maybe one story out of it. You, know, you can make it into a story that you can milk every single day. And during this time of year, people need content. So they're going to lean on that and people are going to go to it and you're going to see some writers writing it and they don't want to write it. The editors are going to tell them to write it. Um, but another point Joe Thomas made in Le'Veon's, these players, some players are more focused on getting a specialized private training for their health and to be in the best shape possible. Because again, there's not that much stuff going on with this. There's not that much uh, training-wise getting ready at something completely different. He's done this his entire career. He just decides to get a specialized personal trainer to put his body in the best possible, maximum possible, best shape. And that's what he's going to do with, go with, and he's going to keep doing it. And again, he's been doing it his whole career, and it's worked out pretty well for him. I don't understand why people... Or, like, I understand why reporters are doing it. I don't understand why fans sit here and still get worked up, worked up over this. There's just absolutely no reason. Let him be. He's going to be great. There's no reason to try and make a story out of that, especially if you're a fan, because there's plenty else to talk about surrounding this team, Chris. It seemed like everybody had Joe Douglas signed to a contract to be the general manager already. But now reading the tea leaves, I'm not saying that Douglas isn't still the front runner or that he's their first choice. 
But Peter Schrager from NFL Network did indicate that we shouldn't sleep on Champ Kelly as a possibility. Remember, Schrager is pretty close to acting Jets owner Christopher Johnson. Terry Fontenot came in over the weekend. Word is that that interview went well. So talk to me about what you're hearing about where this is at. Is there a possibility that it might not be Joe Douglas or that if it is Joe Douglas, he could have Champ Kelly or Terry Fontenot with him or even possibly both of them? Everything I'm hearing, is, it continues to be Joe Douglas. But if I'm not, I'm going to say I don't have anything directly coming from anybody directly associated with uh, Joe Douglas. I do not have a source. that uh, Joe Douglas is not one of my sources. I do not know his wife and family. I do not know anyone close to him. So I don't know his thought process at all. Um, I, I still tend to think, and from what I'm being told is, is that's basically would be the biggest holdup is if Joe Douglas just didn't want it. I know that they really do like uh, Champ Kelly. I know they were impressed by him in his interview. Same with Fontenot. Uh, they uh, going into it, it seemed to be Champ Kelly was this the second guy, somebody that they really liked, and and the interview went really well with him from everything I've been told. But it's still, everybody still seems to think it's going to be Joe Douglas. They're going to take their time. Again, there's no huge rush here. As much as I know fans want this to be made, this announcement to be made right away, they're not going to rush it, it whether they're doing it for their own sake of just gathering more information or they're just trying to make it seem like Joe Douglas wasn't the guy all along. Whatever the case is, I don't think it'll be too long. I would expect it uh, to be announced probably by the end of the week, if not early next week. But I don't think they're going to be in some huge rush to get this out there. They're, they're not as impatient with this or wanting to just uh, satisfy the, the impatient fans who just want a decision made. They're going to take the time with it more. But I do think, I, I always hesitate whenever it, this happens, whether it's for head coach, GM, to talk about, Get, bring all these guys in, and everybody starts forming some type of dream team matchup of all the candidates doing different jobs. And I'm always kind of rolling my eyes at it because typically people are going to interview for a job, a big job, and they want that big job, and they're not going to leave for then a lesser job. But it's possible. I've been hearing that is definitely something that the Jets are considering trying to do. Whether the other candidates would accept that is a different story. I don't know anything about that. Uh, just like I said with Douglas, I don't have any sources that are directly associated with either of those guys, so I don't know if that's something that they would consider. Uh, I'm normally quick to shrug that off, but I have been hearing that it's a possibility, so I, I won't completely dismiss it, but I still think that it's a, you know, a little bit of a far-fetched thing there. I did tell you that I thought it was interesting that Terry Fontenot was added so late in the process and the fact that I spoke with Alex Salas from the All Saints Considered podcast and he said he thinks that there's a decent chance that Fontenot would consider coming as the number two guy. So who knows? At this point, it's possible that it's Douglas and then Kelly or Fontenot or both of them come with him. Maybe it's Fontenot, maybe it's Kelly, we don't know. But it's going to be a very interesting thing to monitor. And like you said, Chris, no real rush here. That's what Adam Gase said. He said they're going to take their time. They want to make sure they focus on getting the right guy, not just getting a guy. 
Yeah, and he also said, you know, he took part in the interview pro the interviews. He said in on it, but now the decision is Christopher Johnson's to make, and it's out of his hands. Which you can believe, you cannot believe. <laughs> Whatever. I know plenty of people are going to be skeptical and doubt that. But, again, this is going to be Christopher Johnson's decision. I do think that Gase is going, if they haven't already made up their mind and they're just waiting to announce it for a little bit longer, I don't think Christopher Johnson's going to just make a decision without talking to Gase about it again. He'll get his opinion again. But this is definitely going to be Christopher Johnson's decision at the end of the day. And it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But, like, the they said, and I just said, that they're not going to be, there's no huge rush to do it. No huge rush to name a new general manager. It will happen in due time, but there is a huge rush to get back to minicamp because that is going to happen tomorrow for day two. There will be day three on Thursday as well. Chris, thanks so much for sharing your observations and insights. We will talk again tomorrow about day two. In the meantime, for people that want to get your expanded coverage, why don't you go ahead and let them know what you got cooking over at JetsInsider.com. Yeah, we got two more days of practice uh, tomorrow and Thursday. We'll see. We'll see how those practices go. Now again, with uh, them doing a heavy bulk of installs today, see if they can clean it up and get a little less sloppy these next couple of days, and give you a little some more observations to work with here over these next couple of days. But I'm going to go ahead and write an article after this. Um, and then we'll have a bunch more stuff over this, you know, from tomorrow and Thursday up on the side of Jets Insider. And then next week we got two more days of OTAs and then we get a nice long break. So I'm saving up a lot of quotes and stuff from the players so I can sprinkle those in periodically throughout that six week break that we're going to have going to need to keep that content machine rolling a little bit. So we'll get a bunch of observations this week, but for the most part, I'm going to save a lot of the player quotes and everything for that break, but you can find that at jetsinsider.com and follow me on Twitter at jetsinsider and at scene nimbly. Go ahead and follow Chris on Twitter. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.